Before I get started, I just want to remind us uh, that this is a very important week in the life of our church and the life of the church in general this week. Uh, today is Palm Sunday, and it's the official, yeah, you can put your hands together for this, the start of what we call Holy Week, and um, everything this week is leading up to the one event that changed the course of history, and that is we'll be celebrating Easter Sunday right here in Riverside at 11 o'clock next Sunday. Yeah, come on, we can celebrate that Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. He overcame, he conquered, he's alive. <laughs> he's alive in this building today. We can feel his presence this morning. And before we get to Easter, this Friday is one of my favorite services of the whole year. It is our Good Friday service, which we'll also be hosting right here at Riverside. This is one of our all-campus services, so both of our campuses will be coming together Good Friday to commemorate the death of Jesus. So I just want to encourage you, uh, if you have anybody in your sphere of influence, especially that does not know Jesus, that may not be in a relationship with Jesus, never experienced the resurrected Christ, our Savior, I want to encourage you to invite them this week um, to either our Good Friday service and especially on Sunday for our Easter service. We got a big egg hunt across the street at the park planned afterwards. So we got something for the entire family Sunday. And um, will you believe with me together that this coming Sunday, Easter Sunday, that lives will be changed, that people will receive Christ as Lord? Come on, anybody, will you believe that with me this weekend? So we're just going to believe that people are going to experience the resurrection all over again this coming Sunday. But before we get there, today's Palm Sunday, and uh, I feel like I've got an encouraging word from God. For Anybody just need an encouraging word today? Like you just, you would love for your spirits to be lifted. Well, I can guarantee you this, that in the next 30 minutes or so, I believe God is just going to speak a word of faith into our spirits today. And I believe people today are going to leave different than they came. That Somebody's life is going to be radically changed by the power of the Holy Spirit today. So let's get started. We just, we just came out of spring break, Sonia and I, with our kids, and, um, we went to Disneyland on the Monday of spring break. I'm not, let's just put this, like when it comes to Disneyland, I can take it or leave it. And so like looking at like, oh my God, All right? Like now Sonia, on the other hand, loves Disneyland. I mean, she loves, she'd live at Disneyland. We, we get the season pass for Disneyland and her and the kids, they, they go as much as they can. I'll meet them down there sometimes. And so we went to Disneyland. Well, in California Adventure, there's only one ride that I really like. Anybody want to guess what that ride is? I'm not a roller coaster guy. Uh, I used to be, but now, nowadays I'm old and I get off the ride and I'm like dizzy, gonna throw up. I heard, I heard a couple people say Cars. Cars is my favorite ride. It's actually one of my favorite Disney movies too. Uh, so how many of you got kids? Okay, so you got kids. Some of you are not claiming your kids. <laughs> They're like, I got them. They're mine, but I didn't really ask where I wanted, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, then you've probably heard or uh, seen the, the, the Cars movie. And the Cars movie, if, if you don't know about it, just kind of a quick synopsis. There's, there's this kind of cocky uh, race car driver, and his name is Lightning McQueen. And Lightning McQueen, one day, he comes roaring into this town called Radiator Springs. And it's this lifeless, desolate town. And he comes through, and he just wreaks havoc on it. 
And so part of his sentence is the judge uh, sentences him to community service. And um, remember, this is a town, this is at one time, Radiator Springs was this thriving city. Business was great, people visiting. And now it's just, this, it's lifeless, it's, it's dormant. Uh, they've got boarded up signs where businesses were, uh, broken neon signs, you know, the broken neon signs that, that and this is, the rep, this is what Radiator Springs is. So um, one of the assignments for Lightning McQueen is he has to pave a new road. What had happened uh, to Radiator Springs was there, they had brought a highway through the area that was off of the, off the highway, the normal highway where Radiator Springs was. So this new highway that came to the area, caused everybody to just drive right by Radiator Springs. So businesses closed down. It's just, it's lifeless. And so uh, one of the assignments for Lightning McQueen is Lightning McQueen has to repave the road that leads into Radiator Springs. And so he's got, he's pulling Bessie behind him. And, and um, oh man, it's just, it, you gotta watch the movie. I can't, I can't give you all the details. But the end of, the, end of this part of the story is, is, is Lightning paves this brand new road into Radiator Springs. And ultimately what came out of that is people started coming back into Radiator Springs. Businesses started thriving, opening back up. The neon light sides were fixed. And if you ever ride the ride at California Venture, they do an amazing job uh, at recreating Radiator Springs. I was, I was Googling on the internet just yesterday, just kind of like re-familiarizing myself with the story. And one of the articles, one of the first articles that came up on Google was from Asphalt Magazine. And Asphalt Magazine said, a good asphalt, this was their takeaway from, from Lightning McQueen, is that a good asphalt can revive a town because cars like to drive on smooth asphalt, right? But it's true. This new road, this new road that was paved into Radiator Springs, now all of a sudden there's visitors, people are coming, life is it's lively and it's exciting. And, and now Radiator Spring has visitors. And I know you're thinking, Pastor Donnie, what does that have to do with Palm Sunday? Well, actually, in a very similar way, today is, as I said, the beginning of Holy Week. Today, we're celebrating Palm Sunday, and something very similar happened on Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is when we celebrate the day that people were praising God. They were celebrating the soon-to-be arrival of Jesus into Jerusalem. In fact, Mark pins it like this. He says, many in the crowd, they spread their garments on the road ahead of him. Others spread leafy branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And so something very similar that was happening, they realized Jesus was about to enter Jerusalem. And these people, they gathered their garments, their cloaks, their coats. They grabbed palm branches and they literally begin to line the streets where Jesus would walk through as he came into Jerusalem. They were literally paving the way for the entry of Jesus. And guess what? All of this praise, they're blessing Jesus, they're shouting Hosanna, they're shouting Hosanna in the highest of heaven. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus entered Jerusalem and he went into the temple courts. I was reading one commentator and he said, it was customary with the visit of kings or of other high persons to cover the street with branches or to throw flowers at the visitors. Another commentary said, among the Romans specifically, these palm branches were traditionally the symbol of victory. Now remember, they are shouting Hosanna. They're believing that the Messiah is coming. He's ushering in a new kingdom. They recognize that Jesus is the king. 
This is the king that would come from David, their forefather. This was the king that was bringing into uh, the earth a new kingdom. And the only proper way to prepare for his arrival was to pave the way with praise. With praise. You, you've, you've seen this before. At Sunday, when we got married, we had a very traditional wedding. And um, they used to have what they'd call a aisle runner. And so like, if, if, the, if the bride was coming down this center aisle right here, this is what happened with Sonia and I, you know, the, the, the bridal party had came in and then they would close the doors and they'd have a couple of ushers come out. They, they brought out this white aisle runner and right down the aisle, they laid out this aisle runner because somebody really important was about to come down the aisle. This person, let me tell you, this person that was coming, she was beautiful, she was hot. She was sexy. Like we made sure, man, we paved that aisle with this beautiful, come on, babe, you know, look at her. Oh my God. Oh my God. She's so good. So good. We paved, we paved the way for her with this, this aisle runner. And um, so that, that's, that's what it's like. Praise, this is what I want to talk to you about today. Praise paves the way. Praise paves the way for Jesus. It's like a red carpet entry. That's what they were doing. They were giving Jesus a red carpet entry into Jerusalem. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus came the way that was paved. So we do in weddings. Uh, more, most recently, I was on Instagram the other day and I came across this reel and I was like, man, if I could go back and redo my wedding, this, in fact, if, if your wedding party is not doing this for you, I don't wanna be at your wedding. Check out the new way that they're doing the aisle runners at wedding. Uh. Yeah, come on. Come on, so, so if you're about to get married, you need to rethink the flower girl. You need a flower man that knows how to hype up your entrance like that. <laughs> this, is, this, is what, this is what the people were doing. They were preparing the way. They were literally paving the way that Jesus would come into. I want to say to somebody today, maybe your life looks like Radiator Springs. Your life may look desperate, boarded up, broken neon signs. It may look deserted. Can I tell you that you can pave the way for you? You can have a really special guest come into your life if you'll just pave the way with praise. Praise paves the way. So I want to show you, I want us to walk through this, this Palm Sunday. I want to show you some things about praise and how important it is for you to fill your life with Praise. Number one, praise ensures God's presence. Praise, praise ensures God's presence. David said it like this in Psalms 22. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. You know, we were created in the image of God. I don't know about you, but I don't like to go where I'm just tolerated. Come on, anybody feel that way today? Like, you ever been there? Maybe when you were in high school, maybe like you, maybe you weren't in the cool kids club and you would try to cozy up to the table where the cool people were and they were just like, they didn't want you there, right? You were kind of that short, fat guy, fat kid. That was me. And so they're like, but they're, they didn't really want you at the table, 
but they would kind of be like, all right, you know, this is like the third day he's asked to be part of our crew. So they were like, they would sit there, they would ignore you. You were just kind of tolerated. You know, we're creating the image of God. Can I tell you, God doesn't like to go where he's just tolerated. God likes to go where he's welcomed. God likes to go where he's celebrated. David said, you are holy. You are enthroned. Can I tell you where King Jesus sets up his throne every day? He is enthroned on the praises of his people. If you want to secure the presence of God in your life, you know what you need to do. You just need to praise. Praise paves the way. Praise secures God's presence in our life. Sonia and I, we have a, one of our favorite hotels is down towards uh, Newport. And at least once a year during the summer, her and I like to get away and we go there. And a few years ago, we were there and it, it was on a Friday night. We stayed the night on a Friday night. Saturday, we wake up and our balcony was overlooking like the side of the hotel. And I look over, get out in the morning, look over and there's this massive elephant <laughs> on the grounds of the hotel. It's a beautiful hotel. And there's a massive elephant. And I start looking around, there's all these people and I realize it's a wedding and it's an Indian wedding. And uh, I've seen a lot of things at a wedding. Okay, I've, I've performed, officiated a lot of weddings. I've seen a lot of things. I've never seen an elephant at a wedding, okay? So I was like, I told Sonia, like, all right, change of plans today. I've got to watch this wedding. I wanna know, what's this elephant got to do with the, well, what I found out was part of the Indian culture is instead of the bride coming down with this aisle runner is to actually have the groom. In fact, I found out our neighbors at the time were Indian. And um, I remember going back home and telling them, I said, oh yeah, I said, Donna, I said, there's only like three of these elephants, I think they're on the West Coast. There are these special elephants that when the groom is proceed, making his procession into the wedding, they put the groom up on an elephant. And all of the groom's party, it kind of looks similar to this picture, all of the groom's party gets around and they go in front of him and they literally, they're celebrating. Their, in fact, last year, last year we were, we were back at the same hotel. I guess this is the hotel where all the Indian weddings are at. Because last year, we're at the hotel, we're sitting up, Sonia and I are out in the, in the jacuzzi, and it kind of overlooks uh, the rest of the grounds of the hotel. And all of a sudden, this loud music starts playing. And uh, looking around, don't see anything. And then all of a sudden, around the corner, this massive group of people, they got a mobile DJ. I mean, man, it was so cool. Seriously, this little this DJ's got his mobile car and he's out there, he's DJing, loud music, people are jumping, they're celebrating, they're all over the place. I think a lot of them had a little bit too much to drink. It was just crazy, right? And, and I'm like, what is going on? And a few seconds later, around the corner, on top of a horse was this Indian groom. I was like, oh man, babe, we gotta redo our wedding. Like I wanted, it was, it was amazing. There was all this energy and this stuff. This was the tradition when they are bringing the groom into the wedding, that's what they do. They just paved the way with this celebration, this jubilee, this, this, this fun. And can I tell you, that's what it looks like when we're praising it. We got King Jesus and they literally, then they mark, they, they lift him up on their shoulders and they're walking. That's what we're doing. Jesus is enthroned. He makes his throne on the praises of his people. So if you want to secure the presence of Jesus in your life, again, you know what you need to do? You just need to praise. You just need to praise. All of a sudden, God inhabits, the scripture says, the praises of his, of his people. Yeah, some of you get it like, right now, we can just start worshiping. We start praising God. We, that's why we put our hands together. We lift our voices. And all of a sudden, we were doing this just a few minutes ago, and you could feel it. There was our, our praise and worship team. They were leading us, and we're praising. All of a sudden, it's like, Something's changed, like the atmosphere changed. All of a sudden, you can feel the presence of God as he begins. Because that's where God dwells. He dwells in the praises of his people. 
the book of Psalms, Psalms is dedicated. Psalms was, many of the, the Psalms, you read through the book of Psalms, many of those were like, in the old days, we had hymn books in the church when I was raised. And Psalms was kind of like the hymnal book for the children of Israel. And so you read through it, it's just full of all these beautiful worship songs and praise. And, and at the very end of all of the Psalms, Psalms 150, it goes like this. In fact, say this together with me. Can we, can we read this Psalm together? It says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary. You know what it's appropriate to do when we come into this building that we call the sanctuary of God? You know what's appropriate that we do? We pray. You know what we're supposed to do in the sanctuary? We praise God. Watch this. Read this with me. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Come on, read it together. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequaled greatness. Come on. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Where's Josh Gonzalez? We need a trumpet, Josh. Like MD, man, we need a trumpet. We, it, praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Come on, somebody say it with me. Praise him with strings and flutes. Where's James? I should have told him to stay up on the drums today. Listen, pray, say this with me. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud clanging. Some of you saw Josh up here. I love when he plays because he's so, you ever watch him play drums? Like he is just going at some of you. I know some, some people, they complain because the noise is too loud and you think it's just this young guy up there and he's just banging away. He's not banging. You know what he's doing? He is praising God. He's feeling the sanctuary. It may sound like noise to you when they're playing the instruments. Gio's up here on the keyboard. We got, I don't know, they got the guitars and they got the strings. They got all that. You know what we're doing? We're not just making noise. It's not a concert. You know what we're doing? We are praising God. And for those of you that are like me, that are not musically inclined, that can't play anything, like we can barely even keep a beat. You thought you were excluded David wraps up the entire book of Psalms and he gives a command to all of us. Read this with me, verse six. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on, just put your hands together right now. Can you just worship and praise God? Come on, praise him for his mighty works. Praise him for his great power. Come on, let everything that has breath praise Lord, come on. You can feel the presence of God right now. Come on, Jesus. We're just paving the way for you to enter into Riverside, Burn, California today. Go ahead. Enter into the temple courts today. Make this your home. Make this your temple today, Jesus. We praise, praise the Lord. So this is what we do. We praise. The first thing we do is we praise God. We praise God. The Old, the old Testament, when God began to form his people, there were 12 tribes of the children of Israel. And one of the tribes was the tribe of Judah. Judah was born to Jacob. Um, and he was born, we, a few weeks ago, we talked about one of Jacob's wife, Leah. And, and Leah got the short end of the stick with her whole marriage to Jacob. And, and, and she had a, a miserable life, to be honest with you. She was looked down on. She was uh, forgotten about. Jacob didn't even want her as his wife. And all of her, she had born children and all that. It was, it all, her children's name represented the distress that she was in. But when she had this child, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. And she called his name Judah. And Judah literally means praise. Judah means praise. And so, for example, in the book of Judges, it starts like this. Judges 1, after the death of Joshua, the Israelites asked the Lord, 
who of us is to go up first to fight against the Canaanites? And the Lord answered, Judah shall go up first. So here's the children of Israel and they are about to go out into battle and God gives them this incredible military strategic plan. You ready for it? He establishes that praise goes first. Pray, if every time the children of Israel go into battle, the tribe that would lead them, that would be stationed first in the procession was the tribe of Judah. God said, praise goes up first. So this is why, uh, this is why we start our services with praise. We just did, we did about 20 or 25 minutes where we started our service. Now we started, we just started with praise. Before we're asking God for anything, before we're asking God to speak to us, before we open our hearts up to hear God's word, before we have an opportunity to express God what we need, every service we decided we would start it off. You know why? We're, we're sending Judah up first. Some of you right now, you've got some battles in your life. You've got some Canaanites that you're facing and you're wondering, what's the battle plan, God? I'll tell you what it is. It's the same that he gave the children of Israel. Send up Judah first. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. We don't just start service with praise. I want you to challenge you to start every day with praise. Wake up in the morning. I do this. I wake up in the morning and I have my devotions first thing because I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what's coming that day. I don't know what Canaanites are camped outside my door. I don't know what Canaanites are sitting at my breakfast table and the news I'm gonna get when I open up my emails and when I get to the office and I, I don't know everything I'm gonna face. I get in my car and every morning when I get in my car, this is my drive. I, I turn on the message, uh, Sirius XM, the message station, and I fill my car with praise. I, I'm, I'm, I'm setting my, I'm getting my mindset ready for the day. I realize I'm gonna probably go to battle today. There's gonna be some, some struggles today. There are going to be some situations I face that I may not know how to handle and I need God's wisdom. But the first thing I do, I literally, my car drive every morning, got about 20 minutes to work. And you know what I do? I just fill that car with praise. I want to challenge you. Watch, watch how your day shifts. All of a sudden, literally, I'm driving in the morning sometimes in my car. I know people are looking at me because I'm singing. I can't sing. So I don't normally sing when people are present. But when it's just me and Jesus, I make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It's a noise. It's not nice. It's not good. It's noise, but it's joyful. And I'm happy. People look, sometimes I'm crying. I'm serious, man. Some of my, some of my most greatest supernatural encounters have happened on my way to work in the morning. I'm telling you, you know why? Because I just, in that little car that became my tabernacle, that was my sanctuary in the morning. And I just start filling it with praise. And there are mornings when it's like God's presence comes. This may sound strange to you. This is my way. This is me and God. God's presence will come into my car. And I mean, it just starts. There's times it's almost tangible. And what, you know why? Because I know I'm paving, I'm paving. Maybe that wasn't on his calendar that day. Maybe he was going to drive down a different highway. But I just decided, nope, I'm a lightning McQueen out there, man. I'm paving away. And guess what? This special visitor shows up in my car. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. I'm paving the way because praise ensures God's presence. Number two, write this down. Some of you really need to take notes today. I'm telling you, because I'm, I'm sharing with you today, it'll change your life. It'll change your outlook on life. It'll change your mindset. It will change your day. It's gonna change your relationships. This is how powerful praise is, because praise paves the way. And so praise ensures God's presence. So the second thing that praise does is praise anticipates God's provision. Praise anticipates God's provision. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, again, this is another story of the children of Israel about to go to battle and they're 
Jehoshaphat gets this message that the Moabites and the Ammonites are coming to attack. How many of you ever got bad news before? Anybody? It's like, it's like the weatherman gets up in the morning and you get a text, you get an email, and it's like, just so you know, today going to be a bad day. This is, this is what it's like for Jehoshaphat. Now watch this, 2 Chronicles 20, verse. I want you to read this carefully with me. Jehoshaphat, he gets news of the coming, he bows down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshiped before the Lord. I think whenever we get bad news, probably the first thing that happens, you ever get bad news and you just immediately go, oh, not again. Sonia and I, uh, not this last week, the week before, Babe, you can attest, we had like the week from hell. It's, it was, to be honest, it was one of the worst weeks of our life was two weeks ago. Everything was going wrong. Sonia came down to my office on Friday and we're talking and I said, babe, I, I, I don't ever journal or write things down. I should, I don't though. And I was like, babe, this is, I can't believe this. Like, I said, I'm gonna write down. I took out a piece of paper and I started, we started writing down everything that was going wrong. And um, she had asked me, she had came down because she wanted me to print something. And so I get out of my chair and I literally, this is me, I got out of my chair and I'm like this and I printed the deal off and I walk over to the printer and I grab it and I walk over and I just like pounce down into the seat, my chair breaks. I'm, this is not a joke. I'm having the worst week. I've just written down all about it. My chair breaks. I looked at Sonia, I said, are you freaking kidding me? And then I started to say, nothing else could possibly, and I stopped. I was like, I'm not even gonna say that because it's Friday. There's still like two days left in the week. Something, and and literally, I just felt like, you know, your posture changes when you get bad news. This is Jehoshaphat. He, he bows his face. The people, they fall onto the ground, but watch verse 19. But then some of the Levites from Kohathites and Korahites, they stood up and they praised the Lord, the God of Israel with a very loud voice. So then after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat, watch, I, Jehoshaphat says, I got an idea. Bad news is coming. The enemy's attacking. This is Jehoshaphat's plan. You ready? Jehoshaphat says, I'm going to appoint men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. <laughs> that seems crazy, right? The enemy's attacking and Jehoshaphat's brilliant idea is he starts grabbing some guys out of the audience. I mean, most guys can't sing. Women normally sing better than men. There's very few guys that can sing. So he just starts grabbing. Like, it'd be like me this morning. <laughs> Saying like, bad news is coming. I start grabbing some of the men. I'll tell you what we're going to do, guys. We're going to form a men's choir. Oh, man. That's brilliant, right? Enemies coming. I know how we're going to beat them. I know we're going to intimidate them. We're forming a men's choir. Choir. And we're not just going to sing. We're going to sing like Pastor Donnie does in the car in the morning. We are going to sing with a loud voice. And watch this. He says, here's what we're going to say. We're going to give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. So they just start singing. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Giving thanks to the Lord for his love. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah. And they were defeated. I love, I left verse 24 in just because I love the imagery. When the men of Judah, when the praisers, the, the men's choir, when they came to the place that overlooks the desert and towards the vast army, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. You know what they decided to do? They started decided that through praise, 
they would start anticipating that somehow, some way, God was going to provide victory. And I want to say to somebody today that maybe you've got some bad news in your life. Maybe you're facing a bad doctor's report. Maybe it looks bleak for your relationship. Maybe your financial situation doesn't look good. And and there's all kinds of reason for you to worry and to be scared today. I want to challenge you to replace worry with praise. Come on, somebody. I want to challenge you today to replace worry with praise. It's amazing. We are so good at worrying. Some of you right now, you got some things that you are facing in your life and you have already in detail laid out how everything is going to go wrong in your life. I mean, seriously, you could, you're like writing a book about how it's going to go wrong and how you're going to lose this and, 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 and you're going to fail here and, and, and this situation is going to topple you and, and, and this is going to drain your in. And we're so, we're, we're like the master communicators when it comes to the bleak future that is ahead of you. Well, I got an idea. What if instead of worrying and creating this incredibly bleak future, what if you just started anticipating the provision of God? I mean, like, what if you started looking around the corner like, oh, man, where's God going to show up? I know my family's not doing well today, but oh, man, I know God is coming. What if, and you started praising God like, man, I'm believing that God's going to do a miracle of restoration in my marriage. Man, I'm believing this week there's going to be some supernatural provision. Man, I'm believing this is the week, Easter Sunday, that my kids are going to come home and they're going to give their lives to Jesus again. Man, I'm, come on, somebody. You're so good at creating the, the bleak dark future. You know what praise does? Praise anticipates the provision of God. You know what somebody needs to do right now? You just need to start praising God. You just need to start anticipating that God's about to show up in your, in your life. And in New Zealand, the big sport there is rugby. You ever seen rugby players? I mean, like burly, big, like kind of like me, big, strong, muscles full. That's rugby players, right? Like you stay away from rugby. That's not me. You stay away. You're intimidated by rugby. And, and in, in New Zealand, one of the most famous rugby uh, teams, they start off all of their matches with the dance called the haka. Have you ever seen the haka? This, this, is, you, you, this is how they start out. Um, I've never been to a rugby match in person. I've been to Hawaii, though, which is part of where the, or this, this dance originates from. And if you've ever been to a luau, the men come out, they got their shirts off, again, big, burly guys, and they do dances like this. They, they like make these intimidating faces, they paint themselves up, and this is the way, yeah, look at that, oh my God, like it's scary, like you imagine a group of guys like that coming at you? And, and, and this dance, it, it was originally performed by the Maori people in different circumstances, like uh, as a war dance, for example, and it would be performed before they went into battle. And so now this rugby team, <clears throat> they've taken this on, and you can watch this on YouTube, like you get chills watching it. And this is the way they start out their match as they do this towards the opposing team and they're intimidating them. And they're already, it's a dance of victory. They're gonna win that rugby match before it's even started. Can I tell you, that's what praise is. That's what praise is. Praise is not just something that you do after the victory. <laughs> that's what some of us do. We praise God after the healing, after the check shows up. After the miracle, hey, anybody can praise God after the victory. 
I want some haka dancers with me this morning that are out here saying, I know it looks bleak. I know it looks like there's no way out of this situation. I know it looks like I'm defeated, but I'm going to praise God for the victory, not after the victory. That's, that's not the order God established. God established that Judah would go up first before the battle, before the victory. It's easy to praise God for what he's done, but the key is to praise God before he acts. Let me say that again. It's easy to praise God for what he's already done, but the key, this is the key to free. Remember, remember, praise paves the way. You want victory in your life? You know what you need to do? You need to praise. You need to pave the way for the supernatural provision of God in your life with praise. I told our staff about a month ago, we were moving our rancher campus to the AMC theater in the Victoria Gardens. And um, there we were, we were in the staff meeting, we were creating the budget and there was gonna be a lot of additional expenses that, are, that were coming. Uh, in the long term, we knew we were gonna save money, so it was worth it. And I just told our team, I said, you know what? Here's what I want us to do. I want us to, just, I want us to go in the next couple of weeks just expecting that God is gonna supernaturally provide for us. God's gonna send us the resources we need, the people we need. So I just, I like, I want you expecting it. That's, that's the way we're going to approach this is we're expecting it. And last week, or not last week, week prior, the week before we were getting ready to launch, the week from hell. That's what I just label it. You know, football is hell week. The week before we launched Victoria Gardens for AMC Rancho was hell week. That was our hell week. It was that week and we're in our staff meeting. Pastor Jeffrey, we start off, by the way, we start F, every one of our staff meetings, we celebrate, we just praise we talk about all the amazing, that's how we start every Wednesday, all of our staff meetings. You know what we do? We just pave the way. I want God in our staff meetings. I want the presence of God in our church. I want the, anybody want the presence of God in your family, right? You want, you want the, pre, you know what you need? You just pave the way with praise. So every staff meeting, part of our agenda, the first thing we celebrate, we, in fact, we're talking about you. Every staff meeting, we're celebrating. This person gave their life to Christ. This person got baptized. This person was healed. This person was, and, and that's how we start. In fact, honestly, sometimes it goes on for like 45 minutes. Sometimes it dominates our entire staff meeting. And last week or two weeks ago, Pastor Jeffrey comes to his turn. He's like, oh my God, Pastor Donnie, I got to share something with you. He said, there's a man that's been coming to our church recently. And he came up to me today. And he said, hey, uh, I felt like God told me to give you $5,000 to the church for some of the expenses that are being incurred towards the theater. I was like, of course, you know what we're doing? We're just, we're pray- that's what praise does. Praise anticipates God's provision. This week, this week, that was last week. This week, I had a man come up to me on Wednesday night and he hands me a check. And he says, Pastor Donnie, man, God has been dealing with me so strongly. These are both men that attend our Rancho campus. And he said, God told me to give $5,000 towards all the expenses that you're incurring with the move into the AMC. Listen, it's, it's easy to like, it's easy for all of us to be like, yeah, look at God go after the fact. You know what? I started praising God a month ago. I started paving the way for supernatural. Listen to me to somebody. Oh man, somebody's got to catch this today. You know what you need to do before the check comes in? You just need to start praising, like anticipating, like, hey guys, hey, hey family, gather them around and be like, guys, listen. I'm telling you, God's about to show up. In fact, let's just start praising him. Start praising God for his faithfulness in the past. Start praising God for how amazing he is. Start praising God for his splendor. Start doing what Jehoshaphat does. Can I tell you what you do? You're anticipating. Come on, somebody. How about you build some anticipation in your life for what God's about to do? So when you're afraid, you should praise God. 
When you're worried, you should praise God. When you don't think you have enough, you should praise God. You're anticipating his provision before it ever arrives. David wrote in Psalms 103. In fact, let's read this together. Can we, can we praise together? Psalms 103.1. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Let me pause real fast because these next couple verses, I want you to praise anticipating that God's gonna do this in your life, in your family's life. You ready? He forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Any sick people in here today? Raise your hand if you're sick. Come on, raise your hand. You know what we're doing? We're praising God. We're thanking God that he heals. Anybody, anybody like me, you serve a God that heals all diseases? Come on, that's what we're today. We're praising God. We're just praising you because you've healed us in the past. You're going to heal people today. You're going to heal people in the future. Verse four, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with love and compassion. Anybody been asking God for anything? Some good things in your life. Anybody been asking God? Let's praise him for it. Verse five, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the, like the eagle. You know what David's saying? David's saying my prayer. He's anticipating that God's going to save, that God's going to restore, that God's going to forgive, that God's going to heal, that God's going to satisfy the desires. This is what praise does. It anticipates God's provision. So it secures God's presence it anticipates God's provision. Lastly, praise magnifies God's power. Praise magnifies God's power. In Joshua chapter six, if you grew up in church like I did, we used to have Sunday school and you would learn all of the like pivotal stories in the Bible and uh, probably the most infamous battle for the children of Israel throughout all history is what's known as the battle, the infamous battle of Jericho. And God has told Joshua, he's going to lead his people and they're going to conquer the town of Jericho. Jericho is, is this town that is fortified by massive walls. When the children of Israel come, the gates are closed. There's no way in fortified walls. And this is, again, you're going to laugh. Okay. This is the incredible militant strategic plan that God gives the children of Israel to defeat Jericho. Here's what he says for six days. For six days, you're going to march around the walls. Yeah, some of you laughing. That's what I was doing too. I love it. Somebody's with me this morning because I was laughing. Think about it. Think about it. You're in Jericho and the children of Israel are coming and you look over the wall and this is their battle plan. They're just marching around. Oh man, that's so intimidating. I'm really, I'm shaking. Oh, Joshua, you're scaring me. You're scaring me. They're marching. It, get, it gets better. It gets better. He's like, watch this. In verse, verse four of Joshua chapter six, seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. We're going to march around. The priests are going to be out front and they're carrying the ark of the covenant. And then we're going to give each of the seven priests a ram's horn. Anybody ever heard of ram's horn? Number one, it's like annoying, to be honest. Like, you ever hear it? The people that play it, they never play it well. It's like, it's one of the most intrusive noise. Can you imagine? You're in Jericho, and you look over, you're like, oh man, this, this is this superior army that's coming to take our city. And they're walking around. The priest got to them, it's just this wooden box that they're carrying around. And they got a massive ram's horn. They're just playing this ram's horn. And then on the seventh day, watch this, he says, you're to march around the town seven times with the priest blowing the horns. 
Just imagine again, here they go. They're just marching around all they're doing. You've heard the ram's horn, right? And they're just blaring the ram's horn. He says in verse five, when you hear the priest give one long blast on the ram's horns, ready? Have all the people shout as loud as they can. This is the plan. March around. And when you hear that last horn, I just want the people of God to shout, just to begin to shout praise to God as loud as they can. Watch what happens. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into town. You know what, some of you know what the battle plan God's going to give you today against the Jerichos in your life, the fortified cities that seem impossible the obstacles that are in your way that seem impossible to overcome, the fortified cities that there's no way you think you could ever see victory. You know what God's asking you to do? He's just asking you to shout out with praise. Why don't you do that right now? Like as loud as you can, this is what it sounds like. You ready? Let's do that right now. Let's just shout as loud as we can. Let's just praise God. Come on, put your hands together and just shout right now. This is what it sounded like. Come on, God, we love you. God, we praise you. God, you are powerful. You are all powerful. God, we give you the highest praise today. We just want you to know we're recognizing you for all that you've done in our life. We don't want to forget all your benefits. Thank you for your healing power. Thank you for redemption. Thank you for healing. Thank you for restoration. Come on, somebody. We just shout. We shout unto God. That's the battle plan. You know what happens when you start to shout? The walls start to fall. You thought you had to do it all on your own. You know what you need to do? You just need to pave the way for the power of God to come into your life and to supernaturally destroy the Jerichos in your life. Now, I love what Joshua tells the people of God. He's given them these instructions, and then he pauses in verse 10, and he tells the Israelites that I don't want you for six days and even on that seventh day until you hear the last blast of that ram's horn, I don't want you to say a word. The first word that you're gonna say in seven days is just gonna be a shout of praise to God. I was thinking about that. Like, why, why does Joshua include that note and add on to what God's given him as instruction to God's people? I think it's because the truth is oftentimes the first thing people have to say when they're facing Jericho is something negative. And you start to, you know, our words form worlds. And you start to speak negativity. All the toxicity starts to come out of your, your mouth. And you start to form worlds in your mind and in your life and in your marriage and in your finances. And you, you got some Jerichos. And Joshua says, I don't want you to say one word. The first words that are going to come out of your mouth are just going to be a shout of praise. I want to say to somebody today that if you cannot muster a voice of faith, it's better not to say anything. My mom used to tell me when I was growing up, she would say, Donnie, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. She would tell me that all the time. And I want to say to somebody today that you're looking at Jericho, fortified walls, obstacles in your life. I want to say to you, if you don't have anything nice to say, if you can't speak a word of faith in your life, just be quiet. I'm serious. Like, be quiet. Shut your mouth. I just say it like that for some of us today. No, I'm being serious. Don't listen to what Joshua says in verse 10. Do not shout. Do not even talk. Joshua commanded not a single word from any of you 
until I tell you to shout. And then I want you to shout because Joshua knew for six days, because the longer you're facing the enemy, the longer you're walking around the fortified walls, the bigger the problems get in your life. And you start to magnify the problems and you diminish the power of God. And Joshua knew if he let those people talk, it was going to dissuade them from seeing the supernatural power of God in their life. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on a supernatural provision of God, a supernatural victory of God, because I was given voice to the doubt and the fear and the worry and the negativity that my seat, I might view through the lens of my human abilities, what God wants to do in my life. I'm saying to somebody today, don't you say a word until you're ready to shout, until you're ready to magnify God's power in your life. Listen, listen, that's what praise does. Praise, it's like a magnifying glass and it finds the power of God in the impossible situations. And you start to praise and all of a sudden, the power of God gets bigger. And consequently, your problems get smaller. I'm telling somebody today, you know what you need to do? You just need to praise God. You need to pray. Your situation may not change, but your perspective is gonna change. Your problem may not disappear, but the power of God is gonna be so big in your eyes that it's gonna bring forth a shout of, of praise. You've probably noticed lately there's been a lot of talk about censorship on social media. This is not a political plug, by the way. I really don't care which part of the aisle you fall or on the topic you fall on. But I was reading an article this week. It was in 2020. It was out of the tech crunch. And YouTube claimed that it has increased the number of daily hate speech comment removals by 46 times since early 2019. In fact, in the last quarter of 2019, this is when this article was written, 2020, there were more than 1.8 million channels that it terminated for violating policies. Most of them have to do with hate speech because there's a lot of toxicity on the internet, including the comment sections of Facebook, of Instagram, of YouTube, right? People post something. You ever read some of the comment sections? And it's just full of toxicity, hate speech and tearing people down. And so YouTube now has censoring the comment section. So I want to say to somebody today, <laughs> you need to start censoring the comment section of your life. Like the next time you're facing a battle and people want to comment on how big the problem is, how big the obstacle is and how impossible it is. You need to start censoring and terminating those comments. They violate the policies of praise. Terminate the negative comment section of your of your life. Nobody, listen, nobody needs to hear your sarcasm, your scarcity, and your skepticism. You don't need those voices. Let me tell you something, somebody. The voices in your head of scarcity, skepticism, sarcasm. Anybody ever face the voices in your head? Those loud. I'm telling you, some of you just need to, you need to turn off the comment section in your mind today. Yeah. Seriously, some of you came in today and all you heard were voices of doubt, worry, fear, negativity, toxic. And, and you know what you do? You allow those voices. Just so I, I've decided, I remember I had a man in the church that I was a youth pastor at. He told me one day he was in his office. He was a manager at a company and his boss would come in. His boss had a really foul mouth. And his boss came in one day and he just started going. He starts cussing him out. He said he went over behind his desk and he grabbed the trash can and he put it in front of him. He said, sir, I'm gonna ask you not to cuss in my office anymore. My ears are not trash cans. 
I'm saying to somebody today, you need to tell all the voices in your head that you're turning off the comment section in your life. You know, you know the best way to do that? You just praise God. You just, the first words out of your mouth, whenever you have a problem in your life, you just be like, man, God is so powerful. <sighs> man, have you, I've been here before. I've watched God do incredible, miraculous. You ever, you ever try to do that with people? Some people, they refuse to live. Like I, I try to do that to people. And I try to speak faith into people. Like, eh, I'm not really sure. It's amazing how much credibility will give to the voices of negativity. But let, let somebody start talking about the power of God. Let somebody start magnifying the power. This is what praise us. Sunday morning, you know what we do? We come in and we know next week's probably going to be filled with all kinds of issues and problems and obstacles and fortify. Well, you know what the battle plan of the church is? We just come in on Sunday and we just praise God. And all of a sudden it magnifies the power of God in your life. Twitter even came out. Twitter now has a hide the replies function. And so if you tweet something, now you can hide the unwanted comments from appearing. I'm saying to somebody today, we need to hide the replies in our lives that tell us that provision is not coming, that victory is not coming, that healing is not coming, that restoration is impossible, that we need to worry, that we need to be afraid. And the greatest way you can do it is turn up the volume on. That's why Joshua said, I want you to shout. I don't care how you praise. I'm just telling you, turn up the volume. If it's on your way to work in the morning, just turn up the volume of praise. If it's Sunday morning, if this is your praise time, turn up the volume on your praise. How about we drown out the voices of negativity by a shout of praise? Psalms 145. Read this one together. This is the last one I'll ask you to read me together. Psalms 145 says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. I want you to really say verse three because we're magnifying the power of God. Ready? Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Oh. Here's what I want to say to somebody on Palm Sunday. You ready? This is what I really going to say to somebody. Jesus is coming. Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one that's ushering a new kingdom into your life. Jesus is coming. I don't know about you, but I don't want him to go by somebody else's life today. I don't want him to find a road that's been paved into someone else's situation and someone else's family. I want to make sure that today Jesus is coming to Verve Riverside. Jesus is coming down to our town today. I don't know about you, but I've decided I'm going to pave a new road today. Jesus, I want you to know the direction is right towards my, I'm saying to somebody today, how about you pave the way for God's supernatural in your life today? Pave the way for God's provision. Pave the way for a miracle. Pave the way for a healing. How about we just today, today, right now, we know Jesus is coming, but I want him to come to my life today. I want him to come into my family. I want him to come into my children and my job and my finances and my wife and my situation and my impossibility. Jesus, I want to pay. We can do that with praise. Jesus is coming. This is Jesus' words, Isaiah 61. Jesus would quote this verse when he came into town. The spirit of the Lord, the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom from the captives, 
to release from darkness. The, I love that song they were saying earlier, Jesus, Jesus. He lights up the shadows. He lights, you know why we get so excited? You know why we're so excited about Jesus coming? Because this is what Jesus does when he comes to town. That's what Jesus comes, does when he comes to town. He said, he sent me to tell all those who mourn. Anybody mourning today? Anybody sad today? Anybody grieving today? Yeah. Listen, this is what Jesus comes to do for you today. Oh man, I love when Jesus comes. To all those that mourn, I've come to tell them that the time of the Lord's favor has come on your life. This, this is what happens when Jesus comes. I've come to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. You ready? Watch this last phrase. And a garment of praise instead of spirit of despair. You wanna know how to rid yourself of despair today? Pave the way, praise. I'm telling you, as you do it, some of you, you've already felt it last 30 minutes today. In those moments that we started to praise God, it was like this, God was saying, I'm gonna give you a garment of praise instead of spirit. Some of you are today, or you're, you're despondent, you're in a place of despair, you're suffering with depression, anxiety, your world's dark. It's like life has cast a massive shadow on your life. I've come to tell you, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. He's in this service today. He sent the Holy Spirit into our presence today. And I don't know about you, but I need him to come into my life today. I need him to come into my life. For those of you that mourn, Jesus is coming. For those of you that are sick, Jesus is here. He's here right now. He's here to give you crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of despair. I'm gonna ask our worship team to come in just a minute. We're gonna close out. And I want your praise to be a little bit different today. I want you to realize, I want you to, you may have to view it like, I like, I'm imagery. So I see myself like a little lightning McQueen. And I'm out there and I'm just paving the road. I'm that flower man in the wedding. Whatever way you choose to praise God, you do it however you want. I'm just saying, what if today we pull the aisle runner out that leads to our life, that leads to our situation, that leads to our despair, our despondency, our sickness, our grief, our sorrows. I'll tell you what you need. You just need Jesus to come. And the way to ensure that his presence is in your life is you pave the way with praise. One commentator I was reading said, that's why they specifically took palm branches when they lined the streets where Jesus was coming. Because this was a tradition that these palm branches were only used for people that either were a king or someone that was a high, of a high rank and authority. I want you to know today, we were singing that song earlier, Jesus, Jesus. We were just saying the name of Jesus. Scripture tells us that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. So those palm branches represent, this is what our praise represents, is that there is someone that has higher authority than what I'm dealing with today. Someone that has greater power than the problem that I'm facing today. And I don't know about you, but I wanna pave the way with praise. I need Jesus to come into my life today. It's Palm Sunday, Verve. And if we'll do this, if you'll do this in your life, you know what that verse said? And Jesus entered into Jerusalem. Why don't you stand with me this morning? I'm telling you what you need more than anything today. Listen to me. More than you need a better job, different spouse, 
a new doctor's report more than anything that you need today is you just need Jesus to enter into your life this morning. Maybe you don't even know Jesus. Maybe you've never surrendered your life today to Jesus. You know what praise is? Praise is saying that I'm gonna, I'm gonna surrender my life to someone with higher authority. I'm gonna make Jesus king of my life. And you're here today, it's not a coincidence that you're here. You're here today because God loves you and he brought you to this moment right now where he was gonna radically change your life. Jesus is gonna enter into your life and he was gonna bring you joy, peace, miracles. And you're here this morning. Why don't you close your eyes with me for just a moment because I wanna talk to somebody today that you've never paved the way for Jesus to come into your life. You've never accepted him as Lord and Savior and King of your life. If that's you today, I want you to know Jesus is here right now. And you can pave the way into his life by you surrendering your life to him, by recognizing that he is king and you are not. So I'm gonna lead you in a prayer right now and you're literally gonna be a prayer of repentance. We're gonna ask God to forgive us for doing everything we want with our own life. And we're gonna surrender today and say, Jesus, you're now king. and You direct my path. You're gonna lead my life. So if that's you, if you'd like to pray that prayer with me today, I want you to raise your hand. So I know I wanna pray with you. If you raise your hand, all right. Keep that hand raised right here. Keep the hand raised. Keep that up. In the back, thank you. Keep your hand raised right over here. All right, anybody else? Anybody else this morning? I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. I want you to pray. You can use my words or you can use your same. I usually say, say this. I say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for ruling my own life and doing things my own way. I recognize that you are king. And so today I'm surrendering my life to you. I accept you as Lord and Savior of my life. Say this with me. Say, I believe that my life will never be the same again from this day forward in Jesus' name. Can we celebrate right now with those that just prayed that prayer that paved the way for Jesus to come into their life this morning? Come on, somebody. People's lives are being changed this morning. People are paving the way for the presence of God. Come on, can we do this collectively as a church today? I want our worship team to come. I want you to worship different. I want you to worship realizing you're paving the way for Jesus.